0: and now another episode of mind escape with michael and maurice take it away michael all right folks welcome back to mike and maurice's mind escape we have episode number 77 today uh carolina bay's impact uh, with chris cattrell uh from the youtube page dabblers den um why don't you check out his YouTube channel, uh Dabbler's done And uh, you can check us out at Mike and Maurice escape.com You can also check us out at Patreon.com slash Mike and Maurice. Um what's going on, Chris? How you doing?
1: Uh hey guys, I, I appreciate you plugging my channel from the beginning. Uh I, I know that there'll be things that that we don't get into today, and and I'm pretty sure that'll be covered uh In my channel, you know, on my channel, I've got a a playlist there of I think almost 30 videos uh, directly related to Carolina Bays and and the uh, the impact that likely happened, you know, twelve thousand eight hundred years ago. So,
0: yeah, I was watching some of the videos last night. There's a lot of uh, interesting information in there that ties into the whole um, Younger Dryas impact theory and all that. So Mm -hmm. um, let's uh, so let's get started here. I'm going to try and hit this. we got a little slideshow today.
1: <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I am a school teacher, uh, and, and it's actually one of the things that I thought that I can add to the whole Carolina Bay dialogue. Um, you know, there, there were guys like um, Antonio Zamora, Michael Davies, um, George Howard, who you've had on a get, uh, had on as a guest. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm a science educator. It's just kind of what I do. Uh, and so trying to take the information from those guys and put it together in a, uh, you know, in a bundle that that's easily, um, digestible is what I, what I really try to do with the channel. Um, I do, you know, I, I do have a background in geosciences. I have a master's in, uh, geosci- geosciences from Mississippi state, um, on top of a master's in, in education. So, you know, I mean, I'm, <laughs> if, if I totally could take it. that's right if i could take those those skills and apply it to something that i you know have had my own history with and uh and you know put it out there so that people can understand it uh, i I think it's just gonna gonna take things one step further so
0: awesome yeah no we're looking forward to this uh obviously we we have a little bit of background with the younger dryas and we've like you said had george howard on and Mm -hmm. um
1: you know, I really you talk- like your uh your your recent series with uh with um uh Martin Sweatman. Um he's, oh, yeah yeah he's he's got a like a whole nother section that he's tying in together with the uh go Beckley and and uh you know there's just there's just so many dots that need to be connected and and that's what we're doing now. You know, this is where the paradigm shifts is by connecting the dots, and that's that's right. what's now. <clears throat>
0: no, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And yeah, those were those were definitely uh some good episodes there uh great Mm -hmm. information and it ties back to all this stuff so um can you guys see the uh slide presentation on your yeah i can see it okay um so let's try and do that here i'm gonna
1: um
0: yeah it's always nice to have a couple visuals that go along
1: yeah. I, and I, I know this is an audio podcast. So again, I, I hope that you, if you, if you have uh, the an audience that is listening, uh, you know, go to my, go to my YouTube channel, you can pull these things up. All my videos are like less than 10 minutes. Um, and like I said, I've got a bunch of them, but they're all in a digestible length and uh, with lots of visuals and things like that. Uh, what you guys are seeing now here is, uh, just some images of the Carolina Bays. Now I know that you guys discussed this, uh, briefly with George, um, but these Carolina Bays have been an enigma in uh, geology for, you know, almost 100 years now. Uh, it was really um, after the, the, you know, manned flight in the Carolinas, which is where Carolina Bays get their name from. Um, you know, get, people were able to get high enough. They were able to look down the ground and just see these, these ellipses all over the landscape. And it's, it's interesting because these, you know, as far as geomorphology is concerned, um, you know, other than the river systems that we have here along the coastal plain, uh, these Carolina Bays are are you know a dominant feature <laughs> across a, a very vast part of our of our eastern landscape, and uh, we we really don't know a lot about them. And and um, you know, so again, yeah, they extend
0: though. They're 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 not just in Carolina, right? They go from like Maryland. To, yeah, yeah, they're all they over actually, the
1: place. Right, they actually go all the way from. Um, upstate no i'm sorry not upstate new york but uh, like long island new york all the way down to uh, just about the florida border florida georgia border and you can find some into florida
0: What's the um, uh, what's the explanation that mainstreams, I mean, obviously, I mean, if you look on Wikipedia, <laughs> hey, hey, there's, whoa, bro, it's, it's, it's no, no, I'm just, I'm just curious, like, what's the explanation now? Okay,
1: well, like I said, you know, this, when we first saw these things, um, people automatically assumed meteor impacts. And, uh, and so, you know, you've got all these, these supposed craters all over the East Coast. And, and so and then when I'm talking about, we're talking about back in the 20s, you know, 20s and 30s. Um they assumed that they were uh, possibly a meteor swarm that came in and, and just kind of like, you know, punched holes into the East Coast. But they never found any meteorite impact proxies oh, I'm sorry, not proxies, but um, you know, meteorite fragments or anything like that. And so it, it quickly got dismissed. You know, they're, the scientists were like, "No, that's not what happened here." And uh, because of uniformitarianism, they started to look for um, terrestrial ex- um, explanations of it. Mm Uh, and so, uh, what they ended up settling on was, uh, wind and water erosion. Uh, basically, uh, all of these Carolina Bays are supposed to be ponds or they were ponds at one time. And, uh, due to persistent winds from, uh, especially during, uh, ice ages, uh, from a certain direction, they would redirect the, uh, the sands and and the rims of these ponds to form these ellipses. Uh, and this really should have been clue number one that, that something was amiss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, natural processes have a very hard time being uniform, you know, being, being right. uh, you know, to, to form these perfect elliptical shapes. There's something else going on there. Uh, but it, it kind of helped explain a lot of their uh, predetermined notions. Um, and so that's kind of what they went with. And um, that's where so we're kind sense- of...
0: They never found any, you know, um, like what are these? The other things found, you know, like microspherials and stuff found yeah, in some of the other. Yeah.
1: There, there was a bay that George uh, George Howard was actually part of. Uh, it's actually called George, uh, Howard Bay after George, uh, and right. um, they 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 found all kinds of stuff inside of that bay. And and then the interesting thing about that bay specifically, Howard Bay, uh, was that they had like zero evidence that that was a pond before becoming a Carolina Bay. Uh, which kind of debunks the entire—I hate using that word, by the way—debunked. But it, it kind of uh, foils that 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 idea that they were all ponds. Um, and again, when you start looking at things uh, like the lidar that I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute, okay, um, these things are everywhere. They're all over the East Coast, and to assume that each one of them it was a pond and they were all perfectly shaped by persistent wins is, is just kind of, in, in my opinion, it's a ridiculous notion. And, um, but that's that right now, that's the current explanation of Carolina base and it hasn't been changed yet. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and again, it kind of, it's, it's frustrating because, uh, you know, I, I don't know if either one of you are, 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 are betting men, <laughs> but is for sure. I am. <laughs> you know i i don't you know if you're rolling the dice you know h- how much are you going to put down on rolling threes two times in a row uh and it's the same thing with these carolina bays you know if, if to get two perfectly shaped carolina bays back to back would be you know an amazing thing and we have thousands and thousands and thousands of them there's literally like 50 over fifty five thousand that are known wow. and i think Hundreds of thousands. If we actually go in and look at the ghost bays, and and uh, there are impact. Or I'm sorry, I shouldn't say impacts, but there are bays inside of bays. Um, you know, they overlap. There's just there's just so much, and and they're all perfectly shaped, and they're all perfectly aligned. You know, they're all perfectly aligned in the same direction, which is you know, again, that's clue number two that something's amiss here, uh, that they are all aligned to the same geographic location on a map. Um, so let me go to the next slide. Hold on a second. I, I want to ask:
0: What do, what are those plants have? What's the significance? That's
1: actually where that's actually where Carolina bays get their name. They were found in, in the Carolinas, um, and that's actually a bay tree. And that's okay. where the that's where the name Carolina bays. It's not named after like a um, you know a water feature like you would think right, of right. the bay or something like that. Uh, they're actually named after the plants that grow inside of these these elliptical shaped depressions. Mm-hmm um and you know if you guys have ever had you know spaghetti with bay leaves in it that's where the bay you know the bay leaf comes from down here in the mm-hmm. south we have uh you know crab oils and things like that and there's always a few bay leaves thrown inside the crab boil um uh, that's that's where the name comes from the, the the carolina bays the bay trees that grow inside of these depressions so and there's all yeah. kinds of neat, interesting things that grow inside of these bays The uh, I know farther up north from where I am they have the Venus flytraps down here we have pitcher plants and you right. really only find yeah you really only find them in these bays and so they're very uh, interesting and unique um ecosystems. Has that ever been
0: looked has that ever been looked into if the uh flora and fauna is similar in other impact sites as it is in those possible impact sites?
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't really follow the ecology of the base. Um, I, I do know that there has been, you know, obviously studies done on the, the pitcher plants and things like that. You know, they're all carnivorous. I think it has more to do with just the ground, the ground there lacks nutrients. gotcha. Uh, and so these plants have evolved over time to to get what they need out of the environment, whether that be trapping insects or, or whatnot. But OK, um, yeah,
0: yeah, interesting. OK, let me go to the next one. Did that switch for you guys? Yes yep. sir. Yep. Okay, we go. okay, we're good. Okay. Um so what's going on here? So this is just the target that are the bays along the uh, East coast. And then uh, what are the, uh, uh, where, where's the other one? Is that Montana or is that?
1: Uh, That's Wisconsin? actually Nebraska,
0: Nebraska. Oh, okay. okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here's strike three again, you know, we're, if, if we're, if we're adding up evidence, you know, to try to solve a mystery, you know, we've got all these bays we've got, they're all perfectly shaped. They all are oriented the same direction. Uh, now, if we go to, you know, farther West, the same distance away from where they're all pointing to, uh, we have another set of perfectly shaped elliptical depressions that all point to the same location on the map. And this is in Nebraska. They're called Nebraska rainwater basins here. Okay. Um, yeah, and they actually all have different names depending on where you find them. But they're all the same shape. They're all the same, you know, orientation. Um, they may they may be slightly adjusted uh, depending on where you find them. Um, and and Antonio Zamora has a great video uh, explaining why they might be shaped uh, differently in certain locations. Um, but, but the, 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 key here is that they're all in unconsolidated sediment. It's all in, um, sand. And, uh, so, so if we are looking at a secondary impact, which we'll, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, you know, it required a, a matter or a mean, you know, a median for these things to be shaped and formed. Um, you know, and, and it's the sand in this case. Uh, we'll talk how, about that how second.
0: are they, how did they discover the, was it LIDAR in Nebraska or how did they uh, uh, good- discover Cause like you can obviously see them along the coast when there's uh, water features and stuff like that. But I assume these other ones are not necessarily near any water features. Uh,
1: no, but they, they are. Um, I, I'm assuming that they were also found by visual, um, you know, aerial photos. Uh, you know, they're okay. exactly the same. They look exactly the same. Gotcha. The, the big, the big difference that we have in Nebraska is that that's big time farm country. And a lot of the Carolina Bays have been worked over, so they're they're harder to see um, from aerial photos. But when you look at them under the lidar, they just pop right out, and and you can see that there's you know thousands of them over there. Um, and they, like I said, they all point to the same spot in the map. And and uh, you guys are from Michigan, aren't you? Yeah,
0: yeah actually, we're both uh, from outside Detroit, but uh, we're big campers and hikers and stuff, so we go up north a lot. So, but yeah, the I know the Saginaw Bay. That's uh, Right, that's that's been a huge topic with the whole impact uh, theory. Yeah, and that's
1: where they. I mean, all of these things they, they now now let me let me um also preface this by saying that when they first uh realigned all these things, uh, it was actually farther west. They 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 noticed that they all kind of aligned farther west, uh, and it was actually Michael Davies and his his guy his team over there um that readjusted things based on the Coriolis effect and uh, hang time and and they readjusted uh, everything to Saginaw Bay. And, um, you know, sure enough, you know, all of these things do point to a very interesting geologic feature in Michigan, uh, that, you know, that, that Saginaw Bay and I, you know, that that one is a bay, it's an aquatic bay. It's not (laughs) named after the plant, Right. Um, but, uh, it's, it's still, you know, it's, that's, that's ground zero right there. Um, and there's a lot more that, that we can look at. Um, and, and a lot of new science has come out that, that shows that Saginaw Bay very likely could have been a an impact um, at at some point. Um, And what we're saying now is that this impact, you know, if if we go back into the last ice age, this whole area was covered under the Laurentide Ice Sheet. And um, so if something did come from, you know, come in and smack right into the Laurentide Ice Sheet, that um, these these Carolina Bays would be secondary impact features. Not primary like they originally thought um, back in the twenties and thirties, but they are still impact features Caused by a primary impact into into the Michigan area Saginaw Bay, and there were gigantic chunks of ice that got slung in all direct, in, in, you know in a perfect pattern around the impact, um, to create the Carolina Bays. You know this this that perfect um, butterfly pattern.
0: Uh, So the fact that there was ice there, though, that's why the impact's not really that deep. It's kind of more shallow and spread out. Yeah.
1: And I think this is part of the problem, too, that we're seeing right now with with our modern scientific thinking is that there isn't enough science on glacial ice impacts. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not something that's ever really been looked at. And um, so if we had like literally over a mile of ice in this location uh, when this happened... Uh, and, and up to maybe even two miles. I know that during the glacial maximum, we're looking at two miles of ice and that, which would have been about 10,000 years before this event. Um, uh, but even a mile of ice, you know, that that's where the impact would have been. The, the crater would have been in the ice. Uh, and, and it's, you know, I, I mentioned this on my channel, you know, the, you know, what's the per- perfect murder weapon is, you know, a, a, um, icicle, right. You know, right. The evidence melts away. And uh, that's what I think we're seeing here. I think that the actual crater itself would have been mostly in the ice. There is, I think there is still some evidence, um, you know, in the Michigan area. Uh, but, you know, all of the, one of the big things that people look for, uh, is shot courts and things like that, and all of that stuff would have been washed away. Um, and, I'm, and I'm very hesitant to say it, but, uh, you know, if the event happened like I think it did, um, you know the amount of erosion and the amount of scouring and just boulders and ice and that would have occurred in that crater uh, would have just scoured this whole area and could have even you know created the great lakes itself <laughs> the right. way that, the way, you know we all know that we all grew up you know learning about the great lakes were created during the last gla- um, during the last ice age and this could be how it happened i if, you know yeah
0: but they teach I mean even coming from Michigan they teach us that the glaciers just carved out that area mm-hmm. like that's yeah. what there was no alternative theories or what you know what could have caused such a dramatic melting you know and mm-hmm. now we know that there's a lot more evidence to you know produce that shows that it was po- probably a lot quicker than everybody anticipated before right um, right so is the is the premise for the carolina bays that the initial impact site was saginaw bay and that it it spread out or it, it blew up in the air and kind of showered down.
1: no I, I think that this was a a it made impact into the ice um and it was actually the the now now and all the other the,
0: stuff's just f- the fallout from from the uh, radius of that or
1: yeah yeah just like if you um uh you know if you if you shoot something in the sand or something like that you know you can have a spray of sand that comes out of it sure um and it's the same thing that i think we're seeing here is that this hit the ice and it's just humongous chunk. now and i'm talking about unfathomable amount of energy being transferred here but uh you know there's huge chunks of ice being slung out from that area and and literally continent crossing you know they went they went all the way into you know like i said georgia uh, mm-hmm. south carolina north Carolina. And so the bays themselves were secondary impacts, and and we can get into um, Antonio Zamora's work. Uh, he has, you know, he has done um, quite a bit of work uh, using the scientific method, uh, just in his backyard, just taking you know clay and 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 um, you know a slingshot and some ice, and he can actually reform these these Carolina bays in his backyard. Um, Yeah, Graham Hancock mentioned
0: uh, his work in uh, America before when he was talking about how um, there's certain people that are part of the comet impact group that um, Mm -hmm. you know uh, say that his this whole thing is kind of even more pseudoscience than the whole thing you know in general and I think that he was the whole part of the book that he was talking about was the Malcolm Lecomte Mm -hmm. talking about how the Carolina Bays doesn't really fit with their thing, so he was kind of mad that Graham was look even looking into the subject. But
1: uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm not making any friends right now. <laughs> well, it's about community. getting
0: to the truth, right? I mean, we're not we're not talking crap about any. It's just <laughs> no, it's like, uh, no.
1: And I've actually uh, interacted with quite a few of these guys that were uh, that are you know authors of the paper uh, or papers uh, with the Common Research Group, and um, you know, I, I'm just trying to get them to reconsider some of the things that that they have assumed, you know, all these years. And it's, like I said, I've been in it for at least 20 years and, and you know, really actively has only been about maybe two years now, uh, but, but, you know, in, in 20 years, it, this, this topic hasn't budged at all. You know, when I was mm-hmm. asking my professor back then, well, what causes Carolina Bays? You know, it was the same answer, you know, well, we don't know, it's a mystery. And it hasn't changed, you know, we're still, and, and it's, you know, again, we have people that have built careers on top of assumptions that they, you know, have, have written down and, and, you know, spent, you know, plenty of time putting down papers and, and, uh, theories and, but it's all based on assumption. And, and that makes it very difficult to change once, once you've done that, uh, for, for a long, long period of time. Yeah. on the road um, to the truth, you're going to make some enemies. That's just the nature of the beast
0: yeah yeah and also I mean the the whole you know like the whole impact theory in general still isn't even really embraced by mainstream yeah. science so it's like there's yes. these ti- there's these tears you know so oh, yeah and, and when you talk to any scientist, we've had other scientists on the show and you know it's like you, the, this narrative that you learn in like you know middle school high school Cal you know like mm-hmm. there, it's it's just a narrative because there, there are really so many variables with a lot of these things that we know you know, like the Clovis first stuff, that's obviously yeah. appear, appearing to be super false at this point, but it was super well, you know, regarded within academia for a long time. So, right,
1: right. um, so, even in the textbooks that I have at the school that, you know, where I work, uh, you know, it's, we spent 190,000 years, you know, bumping heads, looking for food. Uh, and then all of a sudden, 10,000 years ago, you know, we're, we're, we finally decided we can grow crops around our huts, you know, <laughs> that's the birth of agriculture. And, right. Right. You know, and I, and I tell my students that I'm like, you know, that doesn't sound right to me, but that's what's in your book, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's going to be, a, it's uh, the paradigm is, is pretty solid and it's going to be hard to, to, to make those adjustments, but it's again, one step at a time. So,
0: all right, so let's move on to the next slide here. So is this um, like the Torrid meteor stream?
1: Uh, yeah, this is just basically uh, explaining the event. Um, you know, we—I'm we, not sure how familiar your audience is with uh, with the Taurids. Uh, we, we're actually in the uh, the Taurid meter stream right now, is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the time that we're we're um, recording this. Um, but we actually pass through this twice a year, and we have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. And and basically, uh, we had a comet and uh this comet was breaking apart as it went around the sun um which has a lot to do with tidal forces uh as you know a mass moves around the sun you're going to get pulls, and 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 uh, it's going to fragment and uh but now we have what you know we just have bits and pieces of this thing in this giant ring around the sun and as the earth goes through this area uh we get you know pretty sh- meteor showers you know we get shooting stars and and you know kids staring at their windows and you know making wishes and things like mm-hmm. that <laughs> and um, but occasionally you know we do run through this area and there are chunks bigger than than you know shooting stars and uh, they can actually make it to earth and and when that happens you know that's when that's when bad things can happen and <laughs> yeah um, we go
0: camping in northern michigan uh, first and second week of august i think we usually are there for the torrid meteor showers mm-hmm um but uh i don't know why that's
1: broken. yeah well i know that the um it could be another tour it could be another meteor shower i'm not exactly sure in august um i know that we cross through the torrids um and during this time of year during the the or maybe it's summer. the perseid i think it it's might the door a-
0: but yeah but i could be yeah. wrong
1: there's a couple of them but yeah um and and you know even those other um uh, bands that we go through could also have larger chunks in them that can cause some big time devastation uh, but I think it's pretty pretty well known that uh, some of these bigger chunks are in the torrid you know band and as earth passes in and out of them, you know a lot of times we think of um you know meteors as being rogue objects you know just shooting through space and they just happen to run into us uh but that's not really the case you know it's Earth crossing their path and and, uh, as we're moving around the sun, you know, we end up sometimes just having a head on collision with one of these fragments and, and, um, you know, 65 million years ago, we know one happened uh, that, that took out a majority of the dinosaurs. Um, and I think now we're looking at one that happened much more recent that, uh, that almost ended us, you know? Right. And, <laughs> and, and, um, you know, again, it was just a, just a piece of space junk that we happen to run into um and you know we again we do it twice a year um during this time of year uh early you know early july and then again in uh, late october which is interesting too um because we have a lot of uh, myths and fables that that come out of that end of end of october uh time right Um, you know that that get related to with uh, halloween and witches on broomsticks and dragons and things like that and and um I think that's what they're talking about. They're talking about these in the day of the dead, for instance, you know, right. Uh, or just now it's interesting too, because, uh, just a couple of months ago, uh, another paper came out, um, looking at the younger Dryas uh, in South America and the impact proxies that they're finding there, uh, where there could have been very large uh, airbursts. Uh, you mentioned that a minute ago. Um, Airburst into you know above South America that that would have caused tremendous damage down there at the same time. So I think what we're looking at here is a, a swarm. We kind of ran into rush hour, you know, of of the uh, Torrid meteor stream, and we got kind of got pelted. I don't think it's just a one event, you know, one impact event. It's uh, part of a major event, and uh, that's one reason why it's been so global and worldwide. Do you think the the the
0: Little picture there of the Lawrence, uh, Laurentide Ice Sheet with the Saginaw um, impact site. do you think that they could find do you think the, the projectiles there's anything that went up like into Canada that could still be maybe in top layers
1: of soil or you know that's difficult to, to tell. I know uh, we're talking with Antonio Zamora um, because when I first got into this, I actually thought the impact would have because I, th- I think what we're, we're seeing now is that the impact uh, would have come in from the south. West and okay. across, across Americas, um, and that's where I don't know if you guys are familiar with the burn papers that came out um, springtime last year. No, uh, where they yeah, it's so it's a huge paper. It's part of the um, the Comet Research Group.
0: Or is that the Hiawatha? Um, no, 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 they're, they're no. Two,
1: yeah, two completely different things. Uh, we'll talk about Hiawatha if you want to, but uh, this this was actually a uh, an impact. I'm sorry, not an impact, but it's it's burn proxies that they're finding like in deep lake sediment set. That, that about 10 percent of the biomass of north america was just completely scorched wow uh, yeah and this has a lot to do with the uh the recent stuff that just came out of south america because they're finding the same things down there that's um, crazy yeah but it was actually we talking with antonio zamora that convinced me that because i thought it came in from the northeast uh and impacted the, the uh, glacier that way um, but no, the actual deepest part of Lake Huron aligns perfectly with Saginaw Bay. And so possibly at the bottom of Lake Huron, there might be a little bit of evidence uh, left, but I have a feeling that, you know, if this event occurred the way that I think it did, you know, all of that glacial ice just kind of just got the, the amount of erosion that would have happened immediately afterwards, uh, which we have evidence of that too. You know, we've got the, the major floods that, that flooded down the Mississippi river, um, they, they moved to the Northwest, um, you know, into the Atlantic ocean. And then I think also quite a bit going across, uh, to the West. Uh, I know Randall Carlson, ta- Carlson talks a lot about the, um, the uh, floods to the, to the Midwest, the bat- the Scablands of Washington. Right. Um, I think this had a, it's again, same time frame. There may have been a separate impact, uh, farther West, uh, that he's focusing on, uh, that, that caused a lot of that melting down there. Uh, but I think it all happened at about the same time. I think we're looking at a, a uh, multiple impact event. Hiawatha very well could be part of this. Um, I think the Hiawatha crater is um, is uh, a little. I don't want to call it small because it's a huge crater, uh, right. but I think I don't think it had enough to to do the damage that we see in North America um, at the at that time. So so gotcha. I think we're yeah, it could be at the same time and cause effects. Um, in, in other areas of the world, especially in you know farther into Russia, you know, how but, much bigger uh,
0: do they think the uh, the Saginaw Bay one was than Hiawatha? Uh,
1: I'm not I, like I said. I'm trying not to follow too much with the Hiawatha uh, Hiawatha stuff. Um, gotcha. I'm with you. I'm I'm just like you guys. I'm following and waiting for them to you know to see what they come out with next. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know anything more than you guys do. Yeah, about I don't, the I don't
0: think they know a ton either. I mean, I think that it's yeah. just they have to still get in there and.
1: Yeah, yeah, get
0: their, get their hands dirty, but it was uh, right. It was right now, just like just like a
1: just like a, uh, a a more solid date. You know, if we're going, well, it could be twelve thousand years to right, right. I got gotcha. Like, whoa, whoa, that's a big. Now, there's still, I'm mean, geologically speaking, that's still recent. Three million years ago wasn't that long ago, uh, but but twelve thousand years ago, um, is you know very long ago. I mean, not not very long ago. Recent history.
0: So we have a lidar shot here. Yeah, so just,
1: these- this this to me was the game changer. Um, I, I think it's a game changer. Uh, this a lot of this work uh, was Michael Davis's work, and I mentioned uh, before we, before we went on. You know, Michael Davis is kind of scrambling now because I think Google's doing away with his his database that he uses, uh, and he's actually doing a fantastic job of of tr- uh, transitioning uh, over to another platform so that you know again uh, we can continue research in Carolina Bays. Um, but it, but it's the LIDAR um, where you can actually just you can see all of these Carolina bays. And this is just one little one little frame that I that I sent you. Uh, but they're all over these coasts. They completely cover everything. You can see in this picture here that the uh, the bays um, are on top of each other. They mm-hmm. they're, they're um You know, and again, if, if we look at the the ex- scientifically accepted view every single one of these should have been a pond and that they were all perfectly shaped by magical winds and and um it's just i i I, again if we're rolling the dice i am not going to bet on that happening uh forming you know two just even two two perfectly shaped identical um identical uh carolina base i just i i can't see that happening right um and uh again and and I think the next slide has, uh, yeah, it's kind of telling you some more in the work that he's done. Uh, and he has formed these perfectly, you know, perfect elliptical shapes in his backyard, uh, you know, using the scientific method. Um, now they have, w- what I find very frustrating is that the only scientific work that they've done to, to prove that wind and water can, can recreate these Carolina Bays was done back in 1977, 40 years ago. Um, and, and this was, uh, done by a guy named, uh, Cal Zoros, Cal Zorowski. Um, and, and uh, using the scientific method, you know, if you have a question, you know, you do your background research, then you conduct your hypothesis and your hypothesis has to be testable. Right. And so mm-hmm. what he did back in 1977 was he set up a, uh, a sand table and he, he formed a circular, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, Formed a perfectly circular um, pond, you know, puddle of water inside of this, this sand and then blew wind from a fan um, for, I can't, I I can't remember exactly how long, but he would blow it in one direction for so long and then shift it in another direction for so long and then go back and blow it for, you know, that same direction and then shift it again. And he would do this. uh, I think he did it for like four or five hours and, and, it, I mean, obviously, if you're going to blow wind and water around, you're going to get a re- reshaping of that pond. Uh, but, you know, it, they got the shape that you could see there. It's not a perfect uh, ellipse. Right. Um, you know, it's, it did reshape it in a shape that may, may be similar to a Carolina Bay. Uh, and I guess they were like, OK, yeah, we're good. Uh, but no, that's not... Carolina Bay. They did not reshape at Carolina Bay. And, you know, based on the scientific method, you know, if your hypothesis is found to be tr- or false or even partially true, you go back and you do it again and, and um, you know, over and over and over again. And that's how the scientific, like I said, I this is what I do for a living. I, I teach the scientific method and I, I make sure my students understand how the scientific works, scientific method works. Um, and it's not being done. It, this I don't think that this um, experiment was ever peer reviewed. You know, it wasn't, you don't see people re- trying to recreate it. Um, and then you have this guy in 2017, you know, Antonio Zamora who comes out and he's like, you know what, I think these are, um, conic sections. You know, he, he's pretty much saying that if, if you have a projectile entering unconsolidated sediment, that it's going to form a cone shape. Now on the ground, that cone shape looks like a perfect ellipse. He set up an experiment. He went outside in his backyard. I've had people, you know, say, you know, you're backing this guy because of something he did in his backyard. <laughs> Right. And absolutely, you know, he's Year. done yeah, he's done more uh more to prove or disprove this hypothesis than anyone has done in 40 years. And you know, even in his backyard with with a, you know, a puddle of mud and and some a slingshot and some ice cubes, he was able to make perfectly shaped Carolina bays in his backyard. And he actually has a I don't know if you guys follow him or not, he's got an excellent uh YouTube channel now as well. Um,
0: uh, no, I'll check out. I think I follow him on
1: Twitter, but yeah, I'll check out his YouTube channel.: Yeah, check. He's got a ton: Yeah, he's got a ton of great videos, um, and, and I can't remember I'll, I'll send you the link uh, later on, but uh, he has a whole video based on this experiment, and he literally pleads with scientists that, that have funding, say, "Hey, find go out, get a shake table so that you can because basically you know the, this impact would have created tremendous earthquakes across the continent. Uh, and, and that's where he, that's in 2017, he wrote a paper, um, basically saying that, uh, you know, the initial impact would have caused liquefaction of the Eastern coastal plains, which is, you know, an earth, you know, the earthquakes cause liquefaction where the sand basically becomes, um, liquefied because of the low, um, water table that we have here. Everything would have been shaking. Uh, just like if you go like to a sandy beach and, and stomp your feet back and forth in the water. Um, you know, that sand becomes liquefied. You could start sinking into the sand. Uh, he's basically saying that the initial impact would have caused that to happen on the, east, on the uh, coastal plains of the East coast and in Nebraska. Uh, and then these impacts into that liquefied sand uh, would have created these perfect elliptical shapes. And again, in his backyard, he did it with ice cubes in and in a slingshot uh, and he's pleading with with other scientists to say you know use your funding you know get a shake table set up an experiment with the uh, you know things that could be that can be uh, monitored and and you know pr- prove it you know he's done it you know that's how experiments work you know they're tested and retested and he's pleading people to retest it and as far as i'm i know nobody has taken him up on it and uh you know they yeah. really they really should you know if if there's been no research done in 40 years to prove that a Carolina Bay can be created by wind and water, then, you know, peer review Antonio Zamora. <laughs> Do it. I mean, I
0: mean, obviously, he's put in work because, I mean, Graham Hancock's not going to just mention you in a book unless you've done something, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, just even speculation-wise, even if it's all speculative, it's still... I, like you said, somebody needs to take a look at this and just either dismiss mm-hmm. it or be like, there's something here, you know?
1: Yeah, um, and, and like I said, I don't think it's speculation now. You know, if you have somebody who has, he's written a paper about it, that paper was peer-reviewed. It it's been published in um, the, the Journal of Geomorphology. That's a big-time journal. Right. Um, it's, that's not speculation at that point. And um, all it needs now is for people to, to retest. And, and um, you know, again... Connect the dots and put the puzzle pieces together and why do you
0: why do you think that is that people are so hesitant to you know anything that feels um not certain almost within you know like in within the science community like something that has very little bearing at a certain point you know people just shy away from it and then it just sits there like on a shelf um until somebody comes along and is like whoa 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 let's take a look at this i mean it happens with a lot of the fields of science. Well, why, why do you think that is? <laughs>
1: um, Two words, pride and ego. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like literally, you know, I, I think that we have, I, again, um, there you have people that have built careers on the assumptions that they, that they gathered. And, 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 and I don't want to fault them because, you know, they, they didn't know any better uh, at the time, you know, but again, if we're looking at Carolina Bay's, you know, we didn't have Google Earth 20, 25 years ago. We didn't have LiDAR 25 years ago. Um, you know, we had a couple aerial photos. And um, and so I don't I don't blame them for for having those views. Um, but as new science and new technology comes along, that's how science works. You know, you you have and, and I've had people recently that, you know, I've tried to try to talk to about this. And they're like, oh, that's junk science or, you know, that's. Yeah. Um, you know that's uh well, like you
0: said a uh, uniformitarianism like these people like there's a certain narrative you know or even right. john anthony west talks about it with archaeology yeah. like the church of progression you know it's just mm-hmm. this idea that we're constantly outsmarting ourselves from the past when really there's probably so many things that we've either overlooked or put aside
1: yeah 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 and i, and I think that's where the paradigm itself is going to start to change is by re-looking at you know Re-identifying what uniformitarianism is, um you know, this the the law of uniform uniformitarianism states that Earth changes one grain of sand at a time, you know, one 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 gust of the wind, and and things like you know, it, and we have to re-identify. We have to to realize that no, there are sudden changes that that can occur, mm-hmm. and when they occur, they can they can change the Earth, <laughs> and. uh at least parts of it, and um, you know, once and until we do that, you know, we can't really move forward on a lot of this other stuff, you know, especially when it gets into the the anthropology that uh, I know that you guys follow, and yeah. um, you know, it's we, we've got to re- redefine what uniformitarianism is, or get rid of it, and, and you know, come up, because again, this is a geologic law, you know, this is something that, that geologists yeah. thought from the very beginning, that, you know, this is how it is, and Well, you think
0: we'd learn from our past, too. I mean, even you can go back. I mean, you can go back a long ways. Giordano Bruno burned at the stake for saying the universe is infinite, you know, like, and then from there, you know, like the whole Galileo stuff and just all this, all this stuff throughout science over time. It's like, you know, the stuff that we use that we base everything off of at one point was considered Crazy or fringe right. or whatever, So, um, the best stuff, you know, even modern right. day stuff. When I'm sure, when Steve Jobs came up with the idea for the iPad and the iPhone, people were like, "That's crazy," but this, yeah, yeah. This guy and did I right.
1: have, to, and I have to remind myself about that too a lot. Um, you know, even with you know the dinosaurs, and and again, we're looking at the same exact thing. Um, you know, we're looking at a cosmic impact uh, that took out a lot of what we what we thought we knew. Um, and that's new science. You know, if, if we're looking at actual, you know, time that has gone by, I think, I don't think it was scientifically accepted. They, I'm talking about the 65 million year ago, right. uh, Chicxulub love crater uh, wasn't scientifically accepted until like the mid nineties. Um, wow. And, and, you know, that's, that's, you know, I was in high school then. And so, uh, you know, I, I can remember, you know, that this stuff was coming out back then. And, uh, and here we are. 2019 and we're talking about the same exact stuff um you know and and hopefully because we have you know the evidence of the cheeks of love crater uh that this will progress a little bit faster Mm -hmm. uh and and hopefully it won't be too long before people are like okay yeah something happened 12,900 years ago and and um and, and like you mentioned earlier you know when it comes to this topic we have um you know, first you have the Younger Dryas impact where you've got a group of people that are like, no, that never happened. (laughs) And then you have, no, no, it did happen. And then even within the people like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Younger Dryas event happened. You have different causes of how it happened. And, you know, I I go around and around with people that, uh, you know, oh, the Saginaw Bay has nothing to do with any of this. And, and I have to differ, you know, and, and, and so, uh, and, and again, ego and, um, and uh, what did I say? Uh, pride, you know that that plays yeah that plays a lot into it because even the even like my, myself included, you know I, I think I have it right. I think I know what I'm talking about, uh, and I talk with other people and and you know that we're we're so close to being on the same page. But nah nah nah. Yeah, but it, you it, seem
0: open minded. I think that's the yeah. difference. Like I think that's where knowledge dies is when you have a narrative. And you think you know it all, whatever it is, whether it's the, mm-hmm. you know how the, the the universe began or you know impact theories or whatever it is. When you when you put yourself in in that you know you pigeonhole yourself in that one thing and then you just believe it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you might do some good research and find out some things, but I I, I honestly believe you need to have that like um, I could be wrong thing in the back of your mind where it's like I could be wrong. Let me take a look at these other things because when you start looking at everything else I think that's when the bigger picture starts to unfold and I, I think I don't think a lot of people think like that I think they're just all it's all compartmentalized you know mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, so
1: actually, hard when you, I was gonna say when you write a book and stuff it's hard to go back on that you have the- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on it's on the paper that's right yeah and you're right uh, and I try to document that a lot in my in my videos uh, from when I started actually making the videos on my YouTube channel I've changed my mind about a few things as I've gone across and, um, there's actually a, um, a, a small two part series on the Delmarva conundrum is what I call it. Uh, where I came across some evidence that did not align with what I was thinking. And, uh, I was like, Oh man, what's going on here? And I, and I contacted Antonio Zamora and I was like, man, I don't know, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, we, I finally got it settled out and it actually strengthened my opinion at the end of it. Uh, but, um, But, yeah, you're right. And and this is a big part of, I think, where we need to see a little more communication to break it down. Um, You know, you have a lot of people that focus on very specific topics, Um, you know, even whether it be archaeology or geology. They're even broken down to various specific topics. Mm -hmm. And so you have people that are, you know, they're again, they're writing papers on this stuff. They're they're focused on one small part of this whole whole process. Um, and it's going to take communication. It's going to take, uh, you know, looking outside of your, you know, your, your four by four, you know, square box that you're looking at and, and look at the overall picture. And I, and I hope that's what I'm doing right now with this series. Um, I know that it needs more eyes on it, but, <laughs> you know, I hope that I'm connecting those dots and looking at it from a generalist. You know, that's what my, my YouTube channel, the Dabbler's Den, you know, I'm a generalist. I, I come from things from different angles, and, um, you know, uh, that's, that's what I think is a strength of mine, and, uh, and and I hope that that's what I'm kind of putting together with this series on, on the Carolina Bays, and, and um, you know...
0: I mean, yeah, big, we need big picture guys, you know, like, you know, with all yeah. this stuff and, you know, you look at Randall Carlson, you know, this guy's spent most of his life investigating these similar things on the West Coast and the right, Midwest yeah. and stuff.
1: So, yeah, Randall Carlson is actually, a, a, he's a huge part of this whole process. Um, I actually call Rand, I call him Randall the Rosetta Stone Carlson mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I was actually, when I was working on my master's degree back in 2015, uh, not too long ago, you know, about four or five years ago, mm-hmm. um, this is when he first started coming out on Joe Rogan. And I had a friend of mine uh, who sent me a video. Um, He was actually uh, a a very um, highly religious friend of mine. And Mm -hmm. uh, he, he sent me because it it backed up his ideas of of Noah's flood and things like that. And he was trying to get a point across and he sent me this video uh, of Randall Carlson on Joe Rogan. And um, I think Joe uh, on Joe Rogan, he was talking about, uh, the Lost City of Atlantis, and, uh, and he was talking about it being in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and he brought up things like isostatic rebound, which is what happens when uh, a, a body of land is being weighed down by a bunch of ice, and once that ice is removed, the, the land pretty much relaxes, and, and it, it, it changes. Uh, but if you have an a area of land where, where the ice is pushing down on the land, because ice is heavy. I mean, how much is like one gallon of water weigh? eight pounds (laughs) and if we're talking about two miles of ice you know covering the entire continent of or the entire country of canada uh you know that's pushing down a lot on the land and uh, i was again in taking graduate level classes on this stuff and i was like man this guy knows what he's talking about you know he is he is connecting the dots between you know things that are in mythology and 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 you know ancient texts and things like that. And he's applying geology to it. And and when I heard that, I was like, oh man, this, this guy. And and that's where it started for me, um, where I was able to start to put together the geology of, of, you know, together. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, and I I don't think I'm the only one. I think uh, Randall Carlson is kind of a a key figure for a lot of people um, in the field here uh, where it's kind of made us start to, to rethink, you know, growing up, mythology was mythology you didn't think anything else about it right oh uh, i look at like ancient texts and mythology as there's there's got to be something to it you know some well, reason why people yeah why this. would
0: I, why would every civilization or ancient civilization yeah from that time period have a flood myth if there wasn't something it could still be parts of it could still be made up or mythology exactly having, with, with having some you know basis right. to it you know right. but, but it uh, wasn't
1: an accident it's not you know there there's something there's a common thread uh and and we have to look at that and then again we start over the past couple years now we're looking at this stuff and we're like no sure enough you know there was a major catastrophe at the same time that they said mm-hmm. that these things happened and uh you know now we're looking at 400 feet of sea level rise which definitely could be considered you know global flooding for 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 coastal you know civilizations that lived there at the time um, and the thing with Atlantis, you know, that uh, being in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, you know, the the uh, the isostatic rebound from North America would have literally dropped you know, any landmass that would have been in the Atlantic Ocean along the um, the mid-Atlantic Ridge to drop even farther than that 400 feet. And so and we're looking at, you know, there's eight, nine hundred foot um, seamounts that are on the bottom of the floor that are completely sheared off from the top. Uh, yeah. Which which tells us you know that these are... and it's not a seam at that point it's got another name but um, you yeah know, we that actually that made
0: a video on Atlantis like possible locations for our other channel ancient secrets um, mm-hmm. that yeah, we separated from is well yeah but we <laughs> actually we came up with the for number one was the Azores because it's, exactly yeah uh, it's the convergence of three tectonic plates mm-hmm. um, and they have mythology that they're they're um, you know the mountains there uh, the highest peaks if you you know it was everything sunk below there so mm-hmm. i mean I, I don't know you know i think that's ignatius donnelly's uh,
1: yeah my, my grandmother my grandmother is actually from the azores so i always had you know a love for the azores in the back of my mind anyways <laughs> nice, <laughs> and, nice yeah and we're, we're planning on going for my 20th uh, anniversary to the azores and so if i go um, it looks beautiful it, i've never been there but it looks awesome <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be neat to see uh, if it is, you know, if it is the the highest mountain peaks of Atlantis. But, but no, I definitely do think that there, whether it's Atlantis or not, I think that there was a a landmass there in the past. And again, uh, if we look at the geology uh, and the oceanography of that area, I think it suggests that there was a lot more land exposed during ice ages um, mm-hmm. that area. So, so, and again, we
0: we know that whole thing. Yeah, even Dodgerland connecting, you know, Britain mm-hmm. to the rest of Europe. That whole area had more um more landmass, you know prior yeah.
1: that's another one too I, i've never never even heard of dog is it dodger or dogger land i, I thought it was
0: dodger land it could be doggerland i think it's d-o-g-g-e-r-l-a-n-d yeah.
1: I, i've um, never heard of it until i started putting out these videos and and uh i had people email me like oh what do you know about this and i'm like i don't know anything about it but i'm glad you brought <laughs> it up <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah they found artifacts i think in the channels and stuff that yeah Suggests that there was obviously stuff going on there. too. Right. And it
1: also suggests that there was a rapid removal of land in that area too. Uh, right. If you look at the cliffs of Dover and whatever they are on the, uh, on the French coast there, mm-hmm. um, their sheer cliff. Great is, tune.
0: Yeah, I was great say, Brian, or, uh, <laughs> yeah. Brian Johnson. Yeah. Brian Johnson. But, uh,
1: yeah yeah so so there's a lot again and it's about connecting the dots it's about looking at those you know differences in um you know in geology of those areas and looking at the anthropology of what they're pulling up on the bottom there and and uh getting a better picture of everything together
0: so I just pulled up the uh new slide here, and this is seems to be more about the um the megafauna and the
1: uh yeah, th- again if we're if, if we're talking about connecting dots you know this these are the dots that I feel. Strongly suggest that this is a a younger Dryas event, um, because keep in mind that you know again we have we have that younger Dryas conflict, and then we also have yeah. uh, a Saginaw so Bay you're conflict.
0: Cut, you're you're cutting sorry. out for a second. If you want to repeat what you were saying, so uh,
1: I was just saying that um, you know with the younger Dryas um, community, you know there's a difference in in whether it happened or not, and then even in a Saginaw Bay impact community, there's a difference on when it happened um and uh, you know, for instance, you know, I, I mentioned michael davies uh you know he's the man when it comes to carolina bays uh, he's he's just done a tremendous amount of work on the Carolina Bays, but he thinks they're eight hundred thousand years old, uh which is seven ice age cycles um uh, for you know before present, and um you know, I have a hard time with that um and and I'll get more into again, there's some more stuff here on why I think that there it's more of a twelve thousand eight hundred year ago events um but you know this is just a list this list came right off of one of my uh one of my videos um but we look at the younger dryas just the timing of it itself um we also have the black mat layer uh that i believe you talked with george about a, a little bit where they're finding yep. micro diamonds and uh and, and sphere uh carbon spherules, and um you know and they're all found in that that black mat just like just like with the um Chiksu love crater and the dinosaurs you know, right. except case we're not looking at rock we're looking at soil because it wasn't that long ago uh but there's certain areas where we have this black mat uh we have the same proxies that, that they're finding and again they are they do find these in some of the carolina bays as well uh we're looking at the burn papers uh where we had a 10 percent burn um burning of biomass in north america uh and again just a couple months ago we had uh, south america coming out with the same stuff the same timeline um, a big one for me is the megafaunal extinction event. Um, you know, we have the uh, what's it called the Blitz Creek um, hypothesis that that was around for a long time and growing up, we were always taught that, uh, you know, it was, you know, human hunters that came across the North American wiped out like <laughs> all the mega mammals um yeah and, one, like
0: over the la- uh, Bering land bridge and they just came in and killed every single thing
1: yeah yeah and and the biggest problem i have with that is if that really happened like we would have had a a huge population of humans <laughs> you know we would have, right. we, would have been, we would have done great but that's we see the exact opposite we see the clovis culture going away at the same time you know the, the extinction of the uh the, the culture of the clovis people not maybe not every person uh, but we definitely see that culture or that, um, technology that, that's associated with the Clovis people going away at that time. Um, I mentioned already the mega floods, uh, that, that are well documented now, um, in the channel Scablands. you know, yeah, we've that's got a the
0: picture underneath the short faced bear, correct. I've seen, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen, um. Randall Carlson pull that up and that, that, that's a question i actually had when we were looking at the shapes of the carolina bays. they were initially round and then they got elliptical um mm-hmm. i think randall talks about how water can like swirl almost like a super mm-hmm. tornado so is it's not possible that those could have been cut out by something similar
1: but we're looking at two different um you know two different substrates that they're being formed in this is rock this is solid rock that you're looking right, at right 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 um, I'm just and, saying,
0: like on, on a on a, a, a I mean, I, this might be stupid, but like just on a smaller level, you know.
1: Um, yeah, this is a, that picture is actually of um, potho potholes, Cooley, uh, and and you're right, you know. If you, but what happened in this in these pictures is you had a boulder in the bottom of this thing, okay. and it's it's the boulder that got stuck in a hole. And as water's flowing over the top uh, of it, the boulder is scouring away, but it has nowhere to go because it's stuck in this hole. Right. So, so it just goes around and around and around and around. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And so that's, and and, and these things are, you know, huge and, um, and, uh, but no, what, what's important to see in that picture is just the, um, the, the, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it has to do with plucking. And, but as the water's flowing over the top of it, it's eroding backwards, just like Niagara Falls erodes uh, backwards. Yeah. Um, and I think Niagara, what's it, uh, uh, I can't remember the exact, is it six inches a year or something like that that it backs up? I can't, I can't remember. Um, but, but we're talking about, you know, a tremendous amount of water flowing over the top of this area and it's backing the stuff away. Uh, and then it just stopped and we're left with these potholes. We're left with these, these coolies. Um, and, uh, but but I think that this was actually from a separate event, um, same time, but a separate event. I think that, uh, that this happened farther West uh, on the, what's it? The Coriol. Uh, it's the other ice sheet. That's, that's the not the Laurentide ice sheet, but the, the next one over. Um, Does,
0: how much how much of this megafauna have they found like excavating or uh, like is there have they found tons of american lions or is it just something that's very sporadic because if we were wiping these things out there should be piles and piles of bones kind of everywhere right
1: yeah um well I, that's an interesting uh question because i you know i, I i'm not exactly sure i know that uh, i don't i don't follow that too much uh, but i do know that when they find these bones, you know, when they find these graveyards, they find a bunch of them at the same time. And that's, that's interesting, you know, that, you know, you're not just finding American lions next to mammoths, you know, but there, there's a, there's a bunch of them together. And, right. uh, which, which kind of, yeah, kind of, uh, you would expect to see in a major flooding event if, if all these things got stuck up or caught up in it. Right. Uh, but, but remember too, that, um, you know, it's a, it takes very special, conditions for bones to um, to fossilize or to to become part of the record. A lot of times, especially if, if we're in very uh, aerobic conditions, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of bacteria and scavengers and things like that. And a lot of times, you know, the, these bones won't get turned into, you know, the, the uh, fossil record or, or, you know, whatever. Um, it takes very special conditions. So a lot of times when you do find these things, something did happen for them to be, you uh, you know, completely covered and buried and allowed to remain untouched until they get re-dug up. Uh, and gotcha. so, yeah.
0: So we'll do, we, this is just another,
1: uh, yeah, it's just, uh, just more showing, uh, showing the evidence again, we've got the burn papers here. Uh, and so I, so I've got that there. We, we've got, uh, another thing that I find very interesting and, um, this is, this, uh, Again, if if we're if we're counting uh, counting lines of evidence here, um, the the geology of of Michigan uh, is very peculiar, peculiar looking to me uh, with the rings that we see there uh, in the bedrock geology of of Michigan Mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're seeing here and again, somebody may may I could be wrong about this, uh, but uh, if we're looking at an impact. Uh, onto ice, which would have been covering this whole area, you know the that 's where the crater would have been mo- ma- mainly right mm-hmm. uh, but then afterwards, we have a tremendous amount of erosion, and we also have a tremendous amount of sudden isostatic rebound so you 're going to have all that ice is, is removed, and it's all of a sudden you know relief on the land underneath it, and it 's going to push it up. And uh, this could have been happening close to the same time that all this erosion was happening, uh, and it's just interesting to me that we also have this ring bedrock feature at the same location that all the Carolina Bays and the Nebraska rainwater basins point to. Um, it, it, I it just I don't like know. Good what, evidence to me. I just don't know what else we need. <laughs> yeah, right. I know.
0: I mean, it's it's. Well, you it's... convinced me, so it's, <laughs> that's, that's a start. <laughs> That's the first level once you get more <laughs> eats and then you get it slowly. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, it definitely, um, you know, I didn't know when George mentioned the Carolina Bays, I actually did had nothing. You know, I didn't know anything about it, but right. uh, after looking into it and, you know, reading that part of Graham's new book, um, mm-hmm. it just seems like, why isn't anybody at least looking, like I said, just look at it and if there's nothing there, there's nothing there, but it seems like there's something there. So why not, you know, investigate a little bit more.
1: Again, it goes, it goes against what, you know, has, what has already been established supposedly. Uh, You know, if you have assumptions already and you base your assumptions on assumptions, uh then it's hard to go back and recorrect the initial assumptions. <laughs> yeah, I mean
0: science is super it's a lot more political than oh, we were exactly. talking growing up. It's it's not it's almost it's almost as bad as what you see on the news with actual politics, you know? Mm-hmm. Like maybe not as bad, but um You know, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, I can when I think about it, I think of like, you know, back in like ancient Greek times with like, you know, Plato and Socrates and all these guys coming up with new theories and then arguing with each other, you know. So um, it just seems to be a modern day version of that where everybody just kind of wants to be right. And we have a culture of that in general now with social media. I mean, you'd be surprised at the messages I get and some of the emails I get of people. Mm -hmm. You're crazy, you know just stuff like you know people don't look into things either and they want to be right so they just start talking and they think that just because they can dismiss something and not look into it means that they're right, right. It doesn't mean anything to me at all
1: yeah I've been pretty lucky um, I've only had like one or two people that have just been like just really abrasive about it um, most people I talk to uh, even even folks that are in the field um, they, they, they aren't very vocal um, outside of sending me messages which is uh, you know like well come on guys you can right. you know <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but again, it's because they they don't want that mean girl treatment that uh, that George talks about. Um, you know where where it kind of goes against the grain. Um, and I can't remember if it was uh, with you guys, but did he talk about um, uh, you know how we don't need we we don't need the Carolina Bays to to prove a younger Dryas impact? And that's that's kind of yeah, where he, he did mention that right. And that's kind of where they where they're coming. At it, you know, there, there's because there's already like conflict about the 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 younger dry impact to begin with, uh, and then this causes another piece of friction with that because you've got people that are very, you know, you know, have full of pride and and you know they they have their egos. Uh, and it, it kind of just it hurts the whole process, and and I get that, you know, I, I get that, you know, if if it's not needed, then let's just move forward. But again, when you're looking at at a geologic feature or a geomorphic feature of the East coast that is so prominent. I mean, it's, it's, when you look at those lidar pictures, they're everywhere, you know, next to the river systems that we have that flow through, you know, the East coast, you know, these are number two. And for us not to really have a solid explanation uh, is, is that bothers me that bothers me that, and and I don't think we can, I don't think that we can move forward until something like this is, is discussed and, and, you know, eventually, you know, um, agreed on i guess Uh, so you know i was
0: surprised when i looked into it that the the you know how you you mentioned um what the more mainstream theory is on how those came to be the carolina bays i was shocked that it wasn't it didn't seem like it had much of bear like it doesn't when you look into when i look into stuff whether it be fringe stuff or what people call pseudoscience okay i can see the mainstream's points you know i didn't really get that sense like i'm looking on wikipedia and different people's youtube pages and just looking at different stuff that there was much evidence for like this seems far more plausible than the alternative that's
1: presented i i think so too (laughs) so (laughs) i i i'm hoping again and i hope that's where this goes is to have more people say oh yeah okay i can see it now uh and uh again then then and something i want to point out too you know the youtube videos that i put together um you know they they've drawn a great audience um but that's it's not necessarily the audience that the videos are made for the audience that these videos are made for are you know it is for the scientific community and that's why i've reached out to a, a, you know a good number of them um and and again it's to me it's very plausible uh and if if there were just some minor changes in you know some of those previous assumptions then we can like i say we can finally start to move forward in a lot of this uh, but it's going to take it's going to take a lot lot more than than just me, I guess. See, I think um, it's it's
0: it's you're right. You need the scientific people to get on board. But I have a actually alternative opinion on that. I think if you look at what happened with Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock going on Joe Rogan, you know, doing these podcasts, getting the information out there, you're going to have pressure from normal people to be, you know, putting pressure on the scientific community. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, why aren't you? looking into this and that's kind of what's been happening with the, the human timeline of you know from the younger Dryas era and even previous with like graham's work and randall mm-hmm. carlson's work i mean he debated an actual geologist on that the one episode with michael Shermer, and he smoked yeah. the guy and the guy was like oh that makes sense you know like <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things where i think getting enough people on board whether they're scientists or not will put pressure on other people to take a look at it and be like maybe yeah. there's something here
1: Yeah, I hope so. Uh, If if you go to the next slide, that's kind of what this, that next slide is about. Um, but you know, I I hope that's the case. Um, now what I'm seeing right now, uh, and, and I know that, uh, you know, we're, we're, um, uh, you know, we're, we're both on Twitter together and, and, uh, you know, I'm also, I have a lot of archeological, uh, uh, people I follow uh, on Twitter and, and it's, that's not the case. That's not what I'm seeing right now. I'm seeing a lot of backlash, um, from, from, I just call it, you know, chapter 27, uh, which is the uh, chapter in Graham Hancock's book, uh, where he right. talks about this stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of people banding together, uh, and, and it, in the scientific community and, and it's, I, I don't want it to do, I don't want it to be more harm than good. Cause I, I feel like we're kind of getting somewhere, and I don't want people in the scientific community to completely, you know, throw their hands up and be like, oh, well, you're talking about Hancock stuff now. Forget about it. You know, and, and they just right. completely, you know, completely ignore it because it was in Han- in Hancock's book. And, uh, you know, we've seen that in the past with certain things. Um, I just hope that the the, you know, the facts prevail and um, you know, more people look at it. And and you know, whether or not my um Graham Hancock put it in this book or not, which I think, again, I think is is huge. We wouldn't be talking right now if he didn't put that in the book. <laughs> right. And uh and um you know, uh and I think he's right. I think Hancock is right about a lot of things. Um and and we
0: <laughs> But he's also wrong sometimes, but he does mention when he's wrong. Like he's called yeah. himself out over time. With certain mm-hmm. things like hey i believed this before i don't believe that anymore obviously or right. my, my, my well, point of view you know? right I, and that's mm-hmm. what i respect most about him is like yeah he's putting forth a lot of speculation and a lot of material and a lot of theories and mm-hmm. presenting a lot of other people's material in a good light you know but then when something doesn't jive or more information comes out he's you know willing to retract that as where you don't see that I, it's just something weird about science it's just this idea like, oh, I went to school for all this time. I've put in 10, 15, yeah. 20 years of research. I deserve for my theory <laughs> to be right. You know, like yeah. that's the feeling that it comes off to the public, or at least to some of the public, because I just don't I don't know. I I, I don't understand why if you're a scientist that you aren't looking for that truth or that, you know, right. Like, that empirical evidence or whatever this holy grail that they seek, you know, it just doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. Now I, I do think that Graham did a huge service, uh, by, by writing what he did in chapter 27, uh, of, of his, uh, book America before, um, he, uh, whether you agree with his, with him or not, you know, he, he says that he was completely honest or, or he was, uh, uh, up, up, very forward on what he was planning on doing with the information there. Um, I know I would be a little upset if he shared, uh, personal emails in a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but I think that it kind of needed to be done. I think that, um, you know, he, he laid it out exactly how it happened to him. Uh, you know, he got the, uh, the LeCompte, um, you know, you know, finger lashing, you know, saying, Hey, you know, uh, you've been warned kind of a thing. And, and again, um, I, I think it that happens more often than, than a lot of people would like to admit uh, in the scientific community, where you have you, some people have some great ideas, uh, and and because of the views of others, they they hold back on those ideas, or they change their minds, or uh, changing their mind is one thing, but but holding back on something that you that you believe to be true right. um, is I don't think that's really scientific, especially if it's something like this that is scientific. You know that there is basis for those, you know, for for doing it to begin with. Um,
0: have they ever set up like a debate or like an Antonio Zamora and LeCompte
1: or any of these well, other guys? If you read that chapter in the book, that's what the whole chapter is about. That they no, had... I know,
0: but I'm saying, have they ever actually had a conversation or is it just this fear of even talking about it is...
1: Well, well, okay, so, so the way it worked out that, that weekend with uh, Graham Hancock, they all were together. Like, they all came together, mm-hmm. um, in, in part because of George. He brought, he brought people from both sides together uh, to talk with, with Graham about, uh, about Carolina Base, And, um, you know, they all had their turns. They all had their presentations put together. You know, Michael Davia spoke. Uh, Antonio Zamora spoke. LeCompte spoke. Um, and and uh, at the end of the day, you know, Graham – Graham really you know took hold with antonio's ideas and 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 rightfully so, I think he should have um now, of course, that's going to bring a lot of conflict where where Lecomte was there, and there's another guy too, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, uh but they were there together and and you know i, I from what I'm understanding, you know that they just they did not agree with the whole thing they were kind of rude about it, and uh Graham wrote that in his book, you know he told mm-hmm. everybody what, what went down and uh and um yeah, the you know,
0: psychological component's crazy because it seems like they don't want to ruin this idea of the 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 younger Dryas impact by having this subsidiary that may or may not be wrong, according right. to them. You know, it just seems like yeah, you know, why not look into it? It could even further and strengthen your argument that
1: this exactly happened, yeah.
0: happened. You know, like that. Just that part of it, it doesn't make sense to me. But I mean, I guess they have their own reason. But there is a psychological component to it for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, all these guys here on that, on that slide there, you know, they've all had a part to play in this and, um, and uh, yeah, I, I hope that it's, it's getting somewhere now.
0: What's uh, so this is another LIDAR.
1: It's another LIDAR. Uh, this is kind of where I'm taking things now. Um, I, again, when it comes to a younger Dryas event, um, I, I think we have to look even further than Carolina Bay. <laughs> and okay. uh, and I know that they're very interesting. Um, and and honestly, I'm I'm kind of tired of Carolina Bays. I, I've been talking about them now for for a couple years. Um, and I even have my I don't know if you can see it, but I've got my shirt on that to ask me about hey. Carolina. Bays. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, they there there's more to the story, you know. And, and understanding how to read the geomorphologies of the areas uh, should should help us even strengthen a, a something big time happening 12,800 years ago uh, one of the things i'm looking at now is uh, fluvial geomorphology of the east coast uh, and you can see there um, the river channels that are cut into the coast this is actually in south carolina the picture that you see in there mm-hmm. and I, I like to focus on bamberg um, bamberg is just a town it's actually named after um, some guy with the last name bamberg uh, but the I, it just uh, it struck me as uh as interesting you know bamberg you know just this would have been a, a really terrible day. And there would have been a lot of bamming going along, going on. (laughs) Uh, But no, afterwards, you know, if this event happened, like I think it did and like Antonio Zamora thinks it did. And uh, you know, we would have had a tremendous amount of ice sitting on the ground um, up to like two or three feet of just crushed pulverized ice all over the East coast. And that ice had to, it melted and it had to go somewhere. And uh, so if we're looking at these things, um, you know, these rivers, uh, and, and it's hard to show you on this image here, but if we went to just regular Google Earth, you know, this is a dry riverbed now. If there, there is water in it when we have tremendous rainfall, um, but it's super straight. Uh, it's very narrow, which is, you know, indicative of a very fast-moving, flowing body of water. Uh, and then it just stopped. And so we don't have any of that meandering that you would expect to see in, in, um, you know, old rivers, uh, young river. It, it, It happened very quickly. And if you, the geologic law of superposition, uh, you know, it states that one thing happened before the next thing, and you should be able to use those, that order of things happening to, to form a timeline. And, uh, you know, we can see that there are zero bays in any of the flood channels across, you know, anywhere in, on the East coast which means that all of these big time floodplains happened after the Carolina bays um, were formed. Uh, and some of these Carolina bays are cut in half from, from river channels uh, that, that occurred here. Uh, and if you go to the next slide, I think it's one of my last slides there. Okay. Um, I think that we're, we're also seeing um, uh, catch basins where all of this uh, glacial meltwater flowed into into catch basins, which are now some of our largest swamps in the southeast, uh, including the Okefenokee Swamp. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar at all with the Okefenokee, but it is one of the largest. Yeah, it's one of the largest swamps in in uh, in the country, uh, and uh, it's it's kind of you know it's it's an anomaly in itself. You know, it's just kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's not by the coast. Uh, and what I think happened is that this meltwater. Uh, was flowing to the ocean, and it got stopped by what's called Trail Ridge. You can see it uh, in that picture there behind me. To the um, right, yeah. yeah. Trail Ridge is just a huge. It's an ancient barrier island, so you know it's. I think it's 120 miles or something like that. But it's this huge barrier island uh, that would have been formed, you know, millions of years ago, and uh, then all of this water was rushing down during this event, and it got stopped, and it just kind of sat. dates back to 8,000 years. Um, and that's geologically super young. Uh, so this whole Okefenokee Swamp is super young. You know, it actually, it that means that it, it formed during the Holocene. And remember, that's the division between the Holocene and the Pleistocene. And I, I apologize for using big words, but uh, the, the Pleistocene is the epoch that we were in. Uh, then the Younger Drys happened. Then we're in the uh, Holocene. Uh, and so, so the division there is you know, this younger dryas impact. And again, if we're looking at peat moss that's only eight thousand years old inside of the swamp, then this very well could have been a a huge pond, uh a big mm-hmm. nasty stagnant lake. Um that's so is is, that Florida that, or it it does no, extend in into Georgia. Yeah. It's in Georgia but it does extend into Florida. It's it's right on the border of Georgia and Florida. Um and, and Actually, there are only two drainages to the Okefenokee, and one is the Suwannee River that does flu- flow through Florida to the Gulf of Mexico. And then the other one uh, is the St. Mary's River, which I think is a breach of this pond that we were done referring to, uh, which should probably only date back to you know 12,800 years ago. I don't know how to date that. I'm, I'm hoping that I, I can uh, reach out to some people that may know more than I do about that, but... Uh, but uh I'm hoping to be able to to date that uh to the same time. And uh and yeah, the St. Mary's River I think is very new. Uh the same Georgia. I think there's the St. Mary's River close to you guys too. Um but but uh yeah, I think this is a very new feature. And I think this related to the meltwater event after the younger Dryas causing event in the Saginaw Bay. And, <laughs> and so so and this is actually where I started. This is actually where I started with everything. That's why I actually named this this video. Um, an end to the means instead of the means to the end, because I actually started God. with Oki-Finoki and I had to go all the way back to the beginning to tell this whole story, which which took over a year and a half to do. Uh, but this is where I'm at right now with it is uh, is talking about the Oki-Finoki swamp and and Carolina Bay. So,
0: is there something right. that um, with the Oki-Finoki, like th- how you said that the the rivers were cut quickly? Is there something about how that sediment, or was there anything special about it that turned it into a swamp or is that just that stagnant, uh, water over time kind of a thing?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like, like, like I said, you, you can actually see there's a major river channel to the North called the Satilla river, um, right. which I live very close to. Uh, we actually just spent the day in the Sotilla river yesterday. Uh, nice. but, um, that's, that's a major, it's a, it's, a major, it's it's also a major drainage system. But if you look at that one and compared to some of the other ones, there's not near as much water flowing through that area. Uh, and then there's nothing else until you go all the way over to the Alapaha River to the west. And so it all just kind of drained into that area and it just got stuck and sat there for, for quite a gotcha. while, I think. And Yeah, and there's some other interesting things. That, um, for instance, um, there's some really neat, uh, some of the uh, original maps uh, from, the, from the original French and, and Spanish settlements. Um, they actually show a huge lake. In the Georgia area, this it's never geologically accurate. It's not in the same area, but it's somewhere in that Georgia area, uh, and there's a big lake there. And, and we know, you know, I when they were drawing those maps, there's no way that there were people walking around out there, you know, mm. making those maps. Um, but they're oftentimes uh, they use older source maps uh, to fill in the blanks, and and it's interesting because that does kind of tie into that weird. Anthropology. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen stuff on that too. Like like I, I to see to the Coast, so.
0: America Unearth episode about possible Mayans reaching Georgia or something along those lines. Um, yeah, well, you got was Scott Walter. That during, the
1: ice age, mm-hmm. yeah, during the Ice Age, you got to keep in mind that the, uh, the East Coast was, you know, the, the shorelines of the East Coast were. Were you know, up to, uh, you know, 400 feet. The shoreline was like 100 miles offshore where it is today. Um, so that connects Georgia and Florida. I think Florida was really more. I think there was a lot of resources in Georgia that could have been, you know, had a lot to do with it. Um, but uh, when you get into Florida, it was very close to, to Mexico and, and Cuba. Sure. Um, and there was just a major one. You know, major drainage that flowed, you know, the Gulf Stream basically uh, that flowed through there. So, sing on these Carolina bays, I'm getting into now. What I really want to get into is that fluvial geomorphology of, of the of the Okefenokee Swamp and that whole area. But, sure, um, you know, there's a lot to a lot to go on, and it just takes people to to you know know what they're doing and and go out there and do it. So,
0: sure. Uh, yeah. Well, listen. This has been super awesome Chris. We really appreciate you coming on and uh like to have you back on in the future if anything new develops and we can uh get back down to business, but uh sure. yeah, I think this has been super enlightening and I knew nothing about, you know, the Carolinas pretty much you know, Carolina base coming in and I feel like I know a lot more now. So I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, sure.
1: I I I've I've yeah, I've spoken with people that live in the Carolinas that have never heard of Carolina Bays, and so that's <laughs> <laughs> the word's got to get out. <laughs> well, we'll spread the word. All right, guys. That... Well, thanks yeah, so yeah. much for having me, and uh, and yeah, until next time, okay? Yeah, check
0: out uh, Dabblers Den right, YouTube bye. page. Do you have anything else? Do you have a webpage or anything?
1: Um, no, you can find me on Twitter. Um, that's that's where you're going to probably get the most honest responses. Uh, I do have my... my pr- personal uh facebook channel that i that i communicate with some, some some people on but uh that's you know that's more for family and things like that but no twitter's probably the best place to to to, to reach me if you want to um i do have uh a, a dabblers.den i try my best to answer anybody if you leave me a message in the comments you're more likely gonna get a get a response from me uh so so yeah i'm looking forward to uh to to talk with some folks about this so
0: sweet we'll add your uh youtube channel link below and your uh twitter link yeah. and uh check his page out it's super fascinating and uh thanks again chris you have a nice day cheers